Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 100 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening or participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you you know just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim and you know just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, now, before we get into today's topic, I just want to, you know, pause a little and uh, thank all of you because we've reached 100 episodes. And this is, you know, all due to the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, you know, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And this is incredible. Wallahi. When I started this podcast in 2009, um, I had, a, I think, about four to five, uh, you know, subscribers or followers, whatever you want to call them, listeners. And... Uh, um, and I told myself, if I have one person who is benefiting from this, I'm just going to keep on going. And I couldn't believe that, you know, the, the, the amount of success. And again, this is all because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I did nothing except telling you stuff that already been revealed. I, I'm not coming up with my own ideas. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, revealing to us the, 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 the perfect and the ultimate religion of his. So, yeah, this is all a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, the, 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 the amount of listeners has been, you know, increasing drastically in, 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 in all the good ways. And uh, you guys have been really, you know, such wonderful listeners, you know, uh, with all your questions and emails and uh, interactions and engagement, which is incredible. Alhamdulillah. And I apologize if I take too long sometimes to respond to certain emails. It's just because... Uh, you know, I I have a daytime job, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be busy with that and with family and all of these things. But again, thank you so much for your patience and for, for being, you know, engaged uh, on that level. And it shows that you guys are interested in a religion. I'm interested in a religion. Uh, interested is actually uh, not a good of enough word. Like, we, we sh the religion should be everything in our lives. The, the religion of Islam should be our lives, should be our lifestyle, should be, you know, everything to us. And inshallah, you know, and again, you guys take the information from me, verify it however you want, and then pass it on. Pass it on. And and that that's the purpose, one of the purposes of our existence, to tell the world what Islam is actually, you know, all about. What is Islam? What are the stereotypes and what are the misconceptions? And we're trying to do that as much as we can in this, uh, you know, on this podcast. And alhamdulillah, a lot of non-Muslims have been reaching out you know, curious about certain things, and Alhamdulillah, it's been amazing. And also, something that I I, I never mentioned that I think a few episodes ago we literally crossed a hundred thousand downloads. You know, it's it's incredible. A hundred thousand downloads is unbelievable. You know, Alhamdulillah, this is again all a blessing from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. We created a little community here. Uh, you know, so I'm so proud of what we have accomplished and, and, and what we can do in terms of like, you know, spreading the knowledge, you know, across the board, you know, everywhere we can. 
again, thank you so much, and I don't want to take you know too long in the introduction, but this is a really you know a special uh, event, and 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 I just wanted to celebrate it with you guys. Alhamdulillah, this this has been incredible, and inshallah, we'll never stop talking about the religion of Islam because there's always something to talk about. There are always things to explore. There are always things to, you know to to wonder and ask ourselves about, and then find the answers within. Uh, you know, uh, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, that's it. Without any further ado, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is about something that a lot of people have been asking for. Same as the, the destiny topic, which is the jinn. Now, a lot of people approach the jinn as it's a, you know, uh, some sort of a supernatural, you know, chapter in, in, in the theological Islam. And, uh, it is in a way, but it, you know, people like like to listen, you know, about stories when it comes to uh, uh, the jinn. Oh, they can disappear and they can do this. And again, I mean, nothing wrong with that. But it's just like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala told us about the jinn. There's actually a chapter in the Quran called the chapter of the jinn. There is a chapter by the name of the jinn, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala describes them. That tells us a lot about them. And that's what we're doing. And it's going to be also like Destiny, another series. We're going to talk about a lot of aspects uh, regarding the jinn. So uh, the jinn and destiny and the day of judgment and the angels and death, all these things belong to a category in the Islamic theology called the unseen, which is stuff that we cannot see with our own eyes. Stuff that you can consider, like I said, unnatural, supernatural. You know how the pen writes our destiny in a book. This literally happens. This is not a metaphor. You know, there's a physical book, and we talked about that called the Lahul Mahfud, the preserved tablet. We had, you know, a whole series about that a few episodes ago. So these things are to us supernatural. These are fantasy, right? If you if you're watching a movie and you see stuff like that, these are fantasies, right? But they actually happen. And because they are supernatural to us. And we cannot comprehend how they work fully, except for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about, right? We, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it ilmul ghaib. The Prophet calls it ilmul ghaib, the unseen, the world of the unseen, the science and the knowledge of the unseen. And the jinn is part of it. The jinn exist in our world, by the way. They do exist in our world. They see us. They live in our homes. They live in the streets. They live with us. We just can't see them. Right, the the angels the same. You have two angels. We talked about that. One on your uh, right shoulder who writes the good deeds and and the good stuff. One on the left shoulder who writes, you know, the, the the sins and all the bad deeds that you do. And they we have multiple categories and ranks of angels that they deal with us on a daily basis. Those who protect us and all these things. And again, go back to the episode again, the series of the the angels to you know learn more about them if you haven't already. Uh, I, I don't remember which season, but it's, it was early on. Uh, but anyway, these things are, we interact with these worlds, the worlds of the angels, you know, the world of the, the, the jinn. We interact with them, but we don't see them. So it's not a direct interaction, right? Shaitan, the devil, which is, he's from the jinn, they whisper to us. They cause us to do bad things we interact with them on a daily basis it's just we don't see them they don't come straight to us and whisper to us and you see them and you know you argue and you have a discussion with them that doesn't happen that's why they are they are called uh you know the world of the unseen same thing as the preserved tablet same, same thing as death you only experience death when, death when you die you don't die and come back and tell people about it which again falls into the category of the unseen what else 
the day of judgment. You again, we know about the day of judgment from what Allah told us vividly about it in the Quran, right? It's the world of the unseen. We didn't see it yet. And these, the world of the unseen depends on our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his word that, you know, he told us uh, about all these things in the Quran. So again, this is another, you know, a secondary introduction, but we need to know that, yes, some people look at the jinn as a supernatural thing, which again, like I said, it is. Uh, some people get creeped out by them. Like, you know, uh, oh, don't don't talk too much. And I've been in many settings when, you know, a topic c- comes up about the jinn and then some people say, I don't want to hear about it. Please, I, I just, I, I don't want to get spooked. You know, I'm not even going to sleep tonight if you guys keep talking about it. And granted, yes, it could be a little, you know, spooky stuff, but they, they not wanting to learn about them does not negate the fact that they live in our world. They interact with us, Right. So we need to learn about them to know how to protect yourself. Again, this is not a you know horror movie story episode. This is the truth. The jinn, there are some good jinn, Muslim believers, who pray five times a day, believe it or not. And there are some evil jinn, which we call them under the category of the devils or the shayateen. Uh, and Satan is the, the, the boss, their leader, when it comes to the shayateen, to the evil jinn. He's their leader, of course. He's the ultimate disbeliever. Uh, and we need to know how to protect ourselves from the shayateen, from the devils. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the jinn so we know how to protect ourselves from them. So again, these are not a bad, like, you know, bad horror bedtime stories or these are not. No, there are some interesting stories, some fascinating stuff that inshallah we're going to learn. But at the same time, it's critical for us to learn about them because we need to protect ourselves from their whispers, from their plotting against us and all these things. Now, Let's talk about number one, which is the physical attributes that they have. So jinn are made of smokeless fire. So the original substance that jinn are made of, it's the, the smokeless fire. Same, like, what are we made? What is our original substance? It's mud, clay. What is the original substance of, you know, angels? It's light. So angels are made of pure light. Jinn are made of smokeless fire, fire without a smoke, basically, fire. And we are made out of mud. Now, jinn don't they don't maintain this. Like it's not like they're walking fire, breathing fire, and no, 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 no. The original substance. Like we were made out of mud, teen. Do we have that, like, you know, the, do we have the features of teen of mud? No, we, we have skins, we have bones. Same thing goes for the jinn. Now, jinn, they don't have skins and bones. They don't look like us. But actually, we don't even know what they look like. We know they have a physical you know, appearance. They have essence. They have bodies. We know that for a fact. It's mentioned in the hadith and in the Quran. We just don't know what their bodies look like. They might not, and, and don't look at, you know, um, the movies. And there are actually very few similarities between what people imagine in the movies about what the devil looks like and in real, and in real life, like what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us. But the, for the rest, like the bodies, they don't look red. You know, their eyes, are, they don't look anything like humans, just to let you know. They don't look anything like humans. Their bodies could be floating things that we can't even comprehend. So that, that's number one. Uh, I mean, number two, talking about their bodies. Number one is the the, the original substance that they were created uh, of. Now, jinn, like us, they have the freedom of choice. So jinn, that's why they would be punished if they disbelieve. 
and they would enter you know uh, paradise if they believed so they're like they have the same ruling when it comes to worshiping allah it applies you know the same rulings that apply on us it applies uh, you know uh, on them as well so they have the freedom of choice like us that's why satan chose to disbelieve he chose to not prostrate to adam out of respect when allah commanded him to prostrate to adam after right after allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created adam satan said no and you cannot say no to allah if you know if you if you didn't have um, the freedom of choice do you understand? Angels cannot disobey Allah. So that's the main difference between angels versus humans and, and the jinn. Angels do not disobey Allah. They cannot, it's not in their DNA. I mentioned this multiple times, but I'm repeating it again. Why am I repeating it? Because a lot of you know other faiths like you know Christianity, they believe that Satan is a fallen angel. An angel who turned bad, an angel who you know went rogue. That's not the case at all. Satan was never an angel. Satan actually, Allah explicitly says it in the Quran. Iblis, which is Satan in Arabic, was from the species of the jinn, not an angel. Angels cannot disobey Allah. This is a big, major difference between us and Christians. Satan was not. This is like a story of Anakin Skywalker, for, for those of you who, you know, watched uh, Star Wars. Like, they believe that, oh, Anakin was a good guy. And then he turned, you know, to the dark side. That's exactly what happened with Satan. No, that's not the case. You know, if you're an angel, there's no dark side for you. If you're an angel, seriously, if you're an angel, there's no dark side. It's always the bright side, the light side. They do not disobey Allah. They have thoughts. They have opinions. Like we said, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was creating Adam, what did they say? Why, why Allah would you create some, someone who would disobey you? Someone who would have the freedom of choice and corrupt earth. Remember this conversation? That means they have opinions, but they do not disobey Allah. Again, do not mistake in the idea that angels do not disobey Allah, that they are machines. They have no brains. That is not true. They're very intelligent, way more intelligent than us. They are very smart, very sharp, but they worship Allah nonstop and they cannot disobey his commands. They cannot disobey. They cannot you know, uh, uh, go astray from worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That doesn't exist. They don't go bad. They don't turn rogue. You know, they don't become Darth Vader's. No, that doesn't happen. I know I made a lot of Star Wars references, but I just, you know, rewatched the movie, so that's why. Angels do not disobey Allah, yet they have opinions. They are intelligent species. They're smart. Satan is from the jinn who have the ability to disobey Allah, who have the, you know, the the, the, the ability of, you know, to choose the freedom of choice, like us. We, many of us, look around you. Many humans disobey Allah. They don't even believe in Allah. They go do bad things and that's disobeying Allah. Why? Because we have the freedom of choice. If we were like the angels, that wouldn't exist. We would never be able to disobey Allah. So that's a main, you know, the big difference between jinn, uh, jinn and us uh, versus, you know, the angels, you know, when it comes to the freedom of choice. Now, another thing is that um, the jinn were definitely created before us. The jinn were created before us, and there, there's, of course, there is not an explicit text, but they're actually from the Quran. There's many proofs that they were created before us. The number one proof is what Adam, like we said, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, when He created Adam, He asked Satan to prostrate. Satan said no. That means Satan was around. He existed before the creation of Adam. 
That means the jinn were there before the creation of mankind. And they were there. Now, the majority of the, actually the majority, the overwhelming majority of the scholars, they say that angels were created before the jinn. It doesn't make any sense to create, and again, Allah knows best, but it doesn't make any sense to create a species that would corrupt earth like the jinn before creating your ultimate worshippers, the people who, or the species that, you know, never disobeys you. Angels, we believe that Allah created them first. And again, there is referencing proof in the Quran. How? In the same chapter of Baqarah, when the angels told Allah, why would you create? They were, again, just asking, wondering, why Allah would you create Adam who would corrupt earth and, you know, humans who would kill one another? Now, angels don't know the future. Angels cannot see the future. Not like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Angels do not know what will humans do when they, you know, are created. So how did they figure out that we will corrupt earth, that we will kill one another? How did they know that? Because there was a live example in front of them of a species that had the freedom of choice, which was the species of the jinn. So that means the angels were already witnessing the creation of the jinn. They witnessed how the jinn dealt with one another and they corrupted earth, which they did. This is a proof in the Quran. And then they told Allah, Allah, you're going to create another species that would, you know, spill blood and, and corrupt earth and do this to each other? So that that's, again, a referencing... Uh, proof that they were there before the jinn were created and again it kind of lo make logically makes sense but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day who was created first angels or jinn most likely angels but again it doesn't really matter what matters is that satan was there before us before the creation of adam because the whole story of not prostrating so moving on from this point now like we said they have bodies we just don't know what they actually look like uh, they speak they talk to each other. So they have the ability to speak. They actually have the ability to laugh as well. How do we know this? Because there's authentic hadith by the Prophet who said that when you yawn, look at this, when you yawn without, uh, 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 now the, the hadith basically said that when you yawn, when you're about to yawn, try to hold your yawn. And there's a way to do it. Try to, you know, just keep it in don't open your mouth wide when you're yawning it's actually against the sunnah when you yawn either cover your mouth and it's technically the polite thing or the civilized thing to do just cover your mouth or try to even hold the yawn in and the, you can totally do that right uh, why why does Rasam say that because the, the the shaitan the devil who's around us laughs so hard on how we look when we open our mouth for yawning this is an authentic hadith so they do laugh. There's proof from the sunnah that they do laugh. When they look at us and we're like opening our mouth wide, we look funny to them somehow. So they keep making fun of uh, at us and they make you know jokes and they laugh at us. So they do speak. They do laugh. They eat and they drink. And so, yeah, these are things that are... And, and again, we're going to get to the proofs from well, the Quran and the sunnah. Uh, now, another physical attribute is that the, the shaitan... Now, the shaitan specifically, not all the jinn, the shaitan, the, 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 the devil, uh, 
they have horns the shayatin the devils they have they do so and like like i said in the beginning there are some few similarities of what you see on tv representing you know quote unquote the devil versus the truth and there's certain similarities and that's one of them they have do have horns we don't even know what the horns look like but they do have horns and there's a hadith by the prophet that's very important actually that you know there's multiple references about the horns of the shaitan or the the devil but you know one of the biggest hadith and maybe this is something you guys didn't know about or maybe you did the prophet told us this do not pray during sunrise during the time of the actual sunrise nor the time of the sunset because the shaitan the devil stands and then the sunrise uh, rises b- between his horns so basically the devil chooses a location where where the sun rises between his horns and then it when the sunset comes he chooses a location where the sun sets between his horns so the prophet says do not pray during that time because it looks like you are praying to him now you're not we're not praying to him but it looks like it and it feeds his ego this is very interesting what is that all about well so we're not so how do we pray maghrib how do we pray the sunset prayer now here's a big clause you are allowed to pray the mandatory prayers or even the sunnah prayers during these times what you're not allowed to pray and some people just pray norm like bonus prayers extra prayers just to get rewards which is there's nothing wrong with it actually some people say i'm just going to keep praying to make up for all the prayers that i missed in my life so you know i can feel better or just accumulate good deeds a lot of people do that actually and there's nothing wrong with that but then the prophet said when you make those prayers those not unnecessary well all prayers are necessary but my my point is when you're making those non-mandatory prayers do not pray them during the sunrise nor the sunset Wait until the sun fully rises and then pray whatever the extra prayers you want to pray. And wait until the sun fully sets or before and then pray before even it starts you know, setting and pray the extra prayer. But if you're, for example, praying a, 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 a mandatory prayer, like Maghrib time, that, that happens during sunset, right? You, that's fine. You, you you have no problem with that. You are allowed to do that 100%. And for example, let's say that you praying the duha prayer. Well, duha prayer actually happens after sunrise. So let's say that you missed fajr prayer, the dawn prayer. And then you woke up during the exact sunrise. And you and as we all know, if you miss a prayer, you have to make it up as soon as possible. Like as soon as you wake up, if you're, you know, f- fell asleep, you have to wake up, say, astaghfirullah, make wudu and pray right away. So let's say that this happened during the sunrise. Well, that is allowed too. Making up a mandatory prayer is allowed. The only thing that you're not supposed to do is to pray those extra for extra good deed pray uh, good deeds prayers uh, during the sunrise and the sunset. So any extra prayers that you want to just accumulate good deeds from, don't wait until the sun fully rises or the sun fully sets to pray. Any other type of prayer, sunnah prayer, uh, because you know when you wake up for fajr late. And it's sunrise, you have to pray the two rakahs for Fajr and then the mandatory, right? So both are allowed. There's no issue with that. So that's, again, I hope that I clarified this point, which kind of prayers, the mandatory ones and the sunnah ones, you're allowed to pray any time of the day. Only the ones that you are, you know, consider that extra to, you know, uh, accumulate more good deeds. Now, like I said, the shaitan or the devil stands or Satan stands in that position of the sunrise and he acts like we're praying to him, 
even though we're not, that's not our intention. And Allah wouldn't hold us accountable if we're praying during this time because Allah knows our intention. We're praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it feeds his ego. You know, we know that the number one, the number one characteristic within Satan and his followers is arrogance. That's why he did not want to prostrate to Adam in the first place. Can you imagine? The reason why, and this is ridiculous, he wouldn't prostrate to Adam. You know, he said it, He said in the Quran, he was addressing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, you created me from fire. And you created Adam from mud. Do you want fire to prostrate to mud? Now, again, he's talking about the original substance, which in his opinion is a big deal. Oh, he was created from fire. It's like, you know, high-level, fancy material versus just some dirt and some water, you know, some mud. And No, I wouldn't prostrate to this. Can you imagine? His reasoning for not prostrating to Adam was arrogance. So, if anything, the biggest thing that they feel is arrogance. Uh, Satan and his followers, the shayateen, the devils. So he even wants to do this. He literally stands in, you know, in that position where the sun supposedly rises between his horns. And again, it's a matter of perspective if you look at it. And sets between his horns to just act like, oh, pray to me. No one is praying to him. I mean, maybe some people do, like, you know, non-Muslims, certain people who worship the devil. We know there there's a few cults who do that. But I'm saying like, he looks to the Muslims who are actually prostrating to Allah and he's like, yeah, you are, guys are praying to me. No, they're not praying to him, but it feeds his ego. And the Prophet said, do not pray during these times because it does feed his ego. That's it. Um, another thing that shows you his arrogance is that he actually has a throne on water. Now, his throne is on worldly water, not like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's trying to feel like Allah, he wants to be worshipped, he wants to have a throne, and his throne is a knockoff throne, you can't even compare, you know, we don't know, we don't know what it looks like, but we know, come on, if Satan has a throne, you can't even compare it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our minds, like the Prophet said that we cannot comprehend the way it looks, we cannot comprehend how big it is, like the, the throne of Allah takes entire galaxies for you to be able to see, like you have to just, it's unbelievably huge and massive, and probably, you know, like saying got a, I don't know, a chair from from like Walmart or something. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, make a joke out of it. But in reality, Satan is so desperate to be worshipped that he tries to imitate Allah. So he's trying to get a, uh, you know, a, 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 some sort of a throne and he puts it on water, actual water. But Allah, we know that the water that Allah has his throne on is, and we mentioned this, I think, in the episode of Destiny, uh, it's a divine water that doesn't exist in our world. So, again, it shows you the arrogance of Satan and his followers. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. 
so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI. Now, that is for the physical attributes. They do eat and drink, like we said, and how do we know this? Well, the Prophet ﷺ, and we mentioned this in the previous season, uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, when he was preaching Islam to the jinn, they asked him after they became Muslims and they loved Islam, they fell in love with Islam, they asked him, they said, so how are we going to eat or drink? Now, why would they ask that question? Well, we all know that if we do not say Bismillah before we eat, who eats with us? The shaitan, the devil. For those of you who don't know, that's why it's essential for a Muslim to say Bismillah. So Allah would bless the food, number one, and you would stop the shayateen from eating with you from your food. Now, you don't physically, and like I said, they exist in a world that we do not see. It does exist. And they eat from our food. We do not see our food decreasing out of you know thin air or from nothing. They eat in their own way. Again, there's something in the mechanism of they do eat from our same plate if we do not say Bismillah. But we don't see it happening because it happens in a different dimension. Do you understand? Like, I'm not trying to confuse you. They do eat from our food. But you don't see your food being eaten from by some sort of uh, invisible entity because it happens in their own world. They get, you know, know, if they're hungry, they eat with you. They get full. You don't even feel it. But you basically do feed them by not saying Bismillah. Now, so the, the, the good jinn, the people, the, the jinn who actually became Muslims, they said, Oh, Prophet of Allah, um, how, how do we, uh, you know, eat? Because now, I mean, we, 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 our food and drinks come from those who just eat whatever. And we used to eat whatever for those with those who do not say the name of Allah. So the Prophet said this. So if it, whenever a Muslim says Bismillah before they eat, any piece of bone that you guys have in your world will turn into will be covered with meat. So it'll turn into a full piece of meat, you know, or a bone that's covered with meat. Again, the Prophet ﷺ was telling them how will they be provided for when it comes to food? How would they because and by the way, look at the level of faith they have. They did not it's not like when they became Muslims, they were, you know, weren't able to physically eat. Or something happened like food disappeared. No. They were so concerned about eating halal food. Because they they say, well, we used to eat with anybody who wouldn't say the name of Allah. So that's how we used to. Now we don't want to because we're Muslims, we're believers. We do not want to eat from that food anymore. How are we going to eat then? And the Prophet said, any Muslim who would say Bismillah, any Muslim who would say Bismillah, Whenever you have a piece of bone, it will be covered with cooked meat and you guys will be able to eat from it. And that's exactly how it happens. Can you imagine the beauty of this story? And I'll tell you what's the beauty. Number one, the level of faith. They care about the source of food, that it's something that's up to the Muslim standard. The standard of a believer. Like they were fearing Allah. I'm, I, we don't want to eat. Now, some people might say, why didn't they just take the food and they say Bismillah? That's not how it works. Like I said, this is the world of the unseen. There will be a lot of question marks of the mechanism of how this world works. Like destiny. Like we said, we can explain a few things. We can explain anything because it is from the world of the unseen. Allah doesn't explain every single detail on how it works because we don't need to know how it works. What we need to know is that it works that way. Do you understand? As a believer, once you get your proof from 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the Quran and the Sunnah that things work in a specific way, if it's provided that how it works, like we know that how they eat now, because whenever we say Bismillah, whatever the food around them turns into like a good food and they can eat from it. Now, how does it really work? Can they say Bismillah and eat it? No, they can't, obviously, because they add, they were concerned. If they can, and, and if they could, they wouldn't be concerned, right? But they were obviously concerned with that. So they asked the Prophet, how can we eat? So we know that that doesn't work for them. Now, some might say, well, then why? That doesn't make any sense. See, this is when the same thing I'm going to tell you is destiny. You don't need to know the mechanisms because our minds cannot handle every little detail that we need to know. And obviously, we don't need to know. You know, frankly, we do not need to know how and why and all the questions. We, we, and what is the purpose of us knowing this information? To say Bismillah so you can feed your fellow brother and sister in Islam from the jinn species. So when you say Bismillah before you eat, you're not just preventing the bad jinn, which is the shayateen, from eating with you. You're also giving food to good Muslim jinn. That's the moral of the story. Now, how does it work and why they can't just say Bismillah? Does it really matter to you? Would it affect your faith? Would it make you say Bismillah in a specific other way? No, it doesn't. We don't need to know it. Think about it this way. We don't need to know it. And Allah is not telling us everything because Allah, there will be, there will have to be some room for our faith to be tested. Take the information as is and act upon it. Feed, literally, you're feeding your fellow Muslims from the jinn. When you say Bismillah, just by saying Bismillah before you eat or you drink. Simple. Isn't that beautiful? It, doesn't that increase your faith that you know that you're feeding Muslim, jinn, who, wherever they exist? And you're preventing shayateen, Satan and his followers from eating with you from your plate. Just by saying Bismillah. So... That's how they eat and drink. Now, they're animals, and this is a very interesting information that, again, it really doesn't matter to us. It wouldn't affect our life, but it was mentioned in a hadith, so we have to talk about it. Their animals eat the feces of our animals. So when our animals, they have dung or whatever you want to call it, like camels, when they leave their dung, or you know, there's feces from the, 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 camel, the, the animals that we ride and, and we eat from, their animals in a specific way, in a way that we don't know how it works, that's their food, the food of their animals. So that we, now we know that they have animals that are not like our animals, of course. They have like, you know, in the world of the jinn kind of animals, but they eat from that, and we're talking about the animals of the Muslim jinn as well. That you know, when you take care of your animal and then your animal, whatever, do their thing, the feces of our animals, it's food for their animals as well. Why? How does it work? We don't know. But what we know is that in, in their world, it transforms into actual edible food. That it's, and some people might say, why all of this? Why can't they just have their own food? And their own, you know, animals, food kind of thing in their world. Why do we? Well, if you think about it, number one, it does it really matter? There's a wisdom. Allah wanted it to work that way. Allah wanted it. Allah wanted them to depend on us on many things, whether they're good or bad, by the way. Because again, bad jinn, the, the evil jinn who are technically uh, devils, they eat from you as well. They depend on you if you don't say Bismillah. If you don't care. So Allah made those worlds closer than you think. 
Allah did not fully separate the worlds. Allah wanted that world because Allah, here's one of the wisdoms that I think I understood, but then any anything beyond that, Allah has his own wisdom. Like we always said, that's how we treat the world of the unseen. The wisdom is you mention Allah all the time. Remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect you, like I said, from the evil jinn and for you to have some sort of a unseen relationship with the good jinn by feeding them. For example, when you say Bismillah, you have a good relationship because you're feeding your fellow Muslim jinn and you're protecting yourself. And how you do that? By mentioning Allah. Look, it's all about saying Bismillah, mentioning the name of Allah. So maybe Allah made it that way, one of the wisdoms of Allah, so we can remember Allah. When, once we have this information, we mention Allah all the time for protection and for providing for our fellow Muslims from the jinn as well. Uh, again, physically speaking, the shayateen, the devils, the bad, the, 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 the evil jinn, they are actually very ugly looking. They look horrible. How do we know this? It's actually in the Quran. In the chapter of Safat, verse number 65, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? So Allah is saying that there is a tree that grows in hellfire called Zakum. This tree grows in hellfire. And basically the fruits of that tree is like acid. So the people who do will, after the day of judgment, dwell in hellfire. May Allah not make us from them, I mean, and protect us and make us avoid hellfire uh, altogether. But the people who will live in hellfire, they will eat from the tree. And it's like their fruits look so ugly. Look at what Allah is saying. That, that the fruits of that tree looks like the heads of the shayateen, the heads of the devils. So when Allah said that, you know that they look terrible. So that's another indication of their physical appearance. You know that they look terrible because Allah is basically comparing them to an ugly looking tree and fruit that grows in hellfire. So you have it. They don't look good. And again, Allah's mentioning just the shayateen, not the jinn in total, just the shayateen, the bad of the jinn. Now let's talk about the, the types of jinn. There are actually multiple types of jinn. There is, like I said, now if you're gonna, if you want to divide them in terms of like categorize them in terms of like, there are Muslim jinn believers, and there are non-believers, disbelievers, and there are the, the evil ones. So you can have a jinn who is actually a Christian. Now, one thing we know that jinn follow the religion of men. Again. The Prophet ﷺ said in authentic hadith, the jinn follow the religion of men. Meaning what? Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals to us, it's also for the jinn. So when Allah revealed uh, Judaism to Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, there were jinn who converted and became, uh, you know, Jewish jinn. Like you have a lot of Jewish jinn that at the time. Now there's still remnants, same like today. You know, you have a lot of, you know, the, the Jews and, and the Christians and the Muslims. You also have, when it comes to the jinn, Jews, Christians, and Muslims as well, you know, chronologically speaking. So, yes, so they do follow the... the now, the Prophet ﷺ was the only prophet who straight up directly in person preached Islam to the jinn. Before, though, how, how did the Christian jinn become Christian? Well, by following the religion of men. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said they follow the religion of men. So basically, maybe when the true Christianity was preached, they were there and they were convinced. That actually happens. As a matter of fact... If you have, and we're gonna get to the, you know, when we get to the jinn who live, you know, the type of jinn that live in our, you know, that live in our houses and homes, you can actually preach Islam to a jinn 
without knowing them or seeing them by your actions. And that's exactly what happened. Now, some people, like humans, they have faults and they, they still follow Christianity, for example. Same as humans. You have a lot of humans who follow Christianity right now. You have a lot of humans who follow Judaism right now. Same thing for the jinn as well. You're going to find a lot of jinn who you know, follow Christianity. Still, even though it's not the same as the original Christianity, Islam came and that was now the ultimate truth, but some, some of the jinn didn't follow that. Same like humans. It's not that you know hard to understand. Same thing goes for you know other religions. So when the Prophet said, jinn follow the religion of, of men, that's basically what the Prophet means. But the Prophet and again, the biggest distinct like the difference between uh, you know the Prophet and Moses and Jesus that Prophet Muhammad was sent to the jinn as well, not just to all man all of mankind. Not just to all of mankind, to the jinn. And he literally, remember we talked about this in the previous season, when he literally entered the world of the jinn, he disappeared and the companions just, poof, they, they couldn't see him anymore. He disappeared. They could see weird clouds surrounding him. And then he disappeared into that cloud. And basically that was an indication that he traveled to the, and this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it to happen. He went into the world of the jinn. He was able to see them, sit down with them and talk to them. And he preached Islam directly to them. And many of them accepted Islam. And of course, many didn't as well. Like so, Because we know that the, the scholars say that the majority of the jinn right now, unfortunately, are disbelievers. They are from the shayateen, from the devils. But there's good amount of Muslims, good amount of believers who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and follow the sunnah. Imagine jinn following the sunnah of the Prophet while human beings aren't. Subhanallah, it's it's just mind-blowing, Wallahi. It's mind-blowing, but subhanallah, again, it shows you the status of Prophet Muhammad Wasallam when he was allowed to go preach Islam to the jinn. Incredible, subhanallah. Now, let me answer a few common questions that I actually got from a lot of people that, you know, when they were talking about the jinn, I, I've received a lot of those questions. Uh, like, very common questions that people ask. Like, for example, do jinn get married? Do they get married? The, the, the answer to that question, yes, they do. How do we know? From the chapter of Kahf, verse number 50. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically saying, with So, like I said, there is two chapters that talk about this specific incident. The chapter of Baqarah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah told the, the angels and Satan to Satan, prostrate to Adam out of respect, not, nothing else. So they all prostrated except Allah saying except for Satan who refused to, to prostrate and he became arrogant and became a disbeliever and by the way it shows us by the way my dear brothers and sisters arrogance could when it grows it could lead to disbelief beware this is a very dangerous thing to have to be arrogant because this is the number one uh, characteristic of Satan. So if you guys have an ounce of arrogance, please get rid of it. Be humble as much as you can. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, He refused. Look, look, look at the steps of disbelief, by the way. Allah mentions in this verse in the chapter of Baqarah, he basically mentions the steps of disbelief and basically going, going astray from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He abba. 
meaning he refused to prostrate. Aba was He became mutakabbir. He became arrogant. Then he disbelieved. Those three steps. Refusing the truth. Becoming arrogant. Then disbelieving. That's how it happens. And that's how it happened with Satan. And unfortunately, that's how it happens also with a lot of humans. A lot of mankind. They refuse the truth, even though it's right in front of them. They become arrogant. They make fun of the religion. They make fun of Allah. They make fun of Islam. Then, ultimate disbelief. They commit shirk. And unfortunately, some of the few Muslims who leave Islam and, and because, you know, they don't want to abide by any rules. Again, it is a type of arrogance that leads to disbelief. So again, back to the point. So Allah in the chapter of Baqarah tells us that Satan refused to prostrate because he was you know he uh, he was arrogant and he became a disbeliever now in the chapter of kaf verse number 50 allah saying what with same exact thing i told the angels to prostrate to adam so they all prostrated look at the difference between the angels because they do not have the freedom of choice and they do obey allah at all costs here's your proof right there from the quran Iblis was, or Satan, was from the jinn. Not a fallen angel. He was kana min al-jinn. Basically, he became a fasiq. Fasiq means he became extravagant in his disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is basically saying, so he did this, he refused. He became, you know, extreme disobedient. And you're following him and his family and his progeny, meaning what? He has a wife. He has children. Meaning him and his family members, the progeny, his, you know, family tree and his followers. So this is proof from the Quran that he, they could get married. They could have families. They could, I mean, they're like us. They, you know, reproduce. They're like us. So, yes, the answer to that question is, yes, they do get married. Now, some people uh, have this question, and we will tackle that towards the end of the series. Uh, they say, can a jinn and a human being have a relationship? Like, is it possible physically? That's a very interesting question. The answer to that is, yes. But any relationship you have with a jinn, means you disbelieved in Allah because Allah made it a condition of belief. Like for example, if you try to communicate with the jinn, and there are ways, believe me, out there, but the moment you try, you get out of the fold of Islam. You become a disbeliever in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's it's literally equals kufr, equals disbelief, equals shirk in Allah. There's if you die upon that, you won't be forgiven. You will be you will spend eternity in hellfire. You know? It's it's you cannot uh, try to communicate the jinn and ask him to do things for you and all these things, it is a sign of disbelief. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In a chapter of Rum, verse number 21, Allah is basically saying, you know, I created from you, he's talking to the humans, your spouses, do not get away from that. Do not stray away. Do not go basically to the... Because you, you can't get married to angels. Not in this world. You can maybe in, in, in specific type of angels when you go to, uh, uh, you know, you go to paradise, inshallah. But we're talking about here, you cannot get married 
to anything but humans unless you try to get married or get physical with from you know from the species of the jinn from whatever take a spouse from the jinn but Allah is saying do not do that i made from your own species your own spouses ومن ايتي ان خلق لكم من انفسكم ازواجا لتسكنوا اليها marry from your own kind basically from your own kind and you know uh, 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 the final question uh, is basically do jinn die like do they have a life span and the answer to that yes they do they're like us now we don't know what is their life span we don't know if they live you know till 60s 70s 80s 100 years old or what 200s we don't know we don't have a specific but there's one thing we know about satan which is what satan is immortal until the day of judgment he will die before the day of judgment then he will be resurrected to be eternally punished in hellfire but again satan will not die until the day of judgment allah will kill him like he will will end his life before the day of judgment we know that because every living thing will die on the day of before the day of judgment then everyone will be resurrected on the day of judgment so satan until now he, he's not going to live immortally like forever no because once he's resurrected he won't die allah won't allow him to die but he will spend all of his eternal life in hellfire that's what say that's the fate of satan But Allah, Satan actually asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the chapter of A'raf verse number 15. He said what? قَالَ انظُرْنِي إِلَى يَوْمٍ يُبْعَثُونَ قَالَ إِنَّكَ مِنَ الْمُنظَرِينَ Look at this. And I'm going to end this episode today. Uh, and again, this is like an introduction to the jinn. This is the first episode and we're going to talk a lot about their types and where do they live and all these things inshallah, uh, you know, in the upcoming episodes. But here's what I want to end with. Satan obviously obviously hates mankind. He hates Adam. He hates Adam's progeny which is us. Obviously, and he blames us for him being kicked out of paradise in the first place. Now, he was in paradise in the first place because and the consensus of the scholars not because he was an angel like we said he was never an angel, but because he was a righteous jinn. The scholars are saying that he was a righteous. Now we don't have a specific explicit text. It's all basically reference here and there and they de- like they they basically derived all these uh facts from, you know, certain texts and so they basically said he was on earth with his uh, you know fellow jinn. They were corrupting earth. That's what angel said. Remember they were corrupting earth. They were killing one another. then uh he was you know brought up to live in in paradise and uh because he was so righteous and he lived with the angels then adam was created and he started to feel jealousy and arrogance like he was like why am i being compared to like why is he why do you have to create another you know he said the same thing that the angel said probably in his mind and you know he looked at adam he didn't like what he saw and then when he was asked to prostrate he thought what you want me to proceed and like we said the story like i'm created from fire you created him from mud no 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 i'm not going to do that so that's basically in a nutshell his story so when he was kicked out allah kicked him out of when he refused to when he disobeyed allah allah was like out that's it go and he did not repent the difference big difference between satan and adam that adam when he also was kicked out him and eve they repented to allah فتلقى ادم من ربه كلمات فتاب عليه الله taught both of them how to repent Satan and Adam 
Adam used what he was taught by Allah, which is to repent, and he asked for forgiveness. Satan did not care because of arrogance. So he went down to earth. So they both went down, but Allah forgave Adam. See, we do not also believe in the original sin. Allah forgave Adam. فَتَلَقَّى Adam. This is explicit in the Quran. In the chapter of Baqarah. فَتَلَقَّى Adam كَلِمَاتٍ مِنْ رَبِّهِ فَتَابَ عَلَيْهِ Allah saying, I forgave him. We don't believe in the original sin. Never existed. Allah forgave Adam. But Satan? No, 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 no. He said what? Oh Allah, you tricked me. You made me do this and try to make them eat from the tree. Astaghfirullah. Again, like we said in, uh, in, in the series of Destiny, he blamed his wrongdoings on Destiny and you played this game, oh Allah. Astaghfirullah. Allah is above that, my dear brothers and sisters. Allah is above that. Allah created us. If, if Allah wills, who would stop Allah from completely destroying us to pieces? No one. Think about it for a second. For those, and unfortunately, we have human beings who do the same thing, who blame Allah. Oh Allah, you didn't make me a believer, so now why do you expect me to you know, go and research and find the truth? Like, this is all a game. Remember? People who blame Allah for a lot of things. Oh, like, I feel like I want to be a female, or I feel like I was born a male, but I want to be a female, or I was born a female, but I want to be a male. Like, is this a trick? Like, is a lot? Allah is above that a billion times. If Allah wanted, you will literally disappear and no one will have a memory of you. Allah is capable of anything. You will disappear. You, you will cease to exist. And no one will even wonder where you are. Allah will wipe you from the memory of everybody who ever knew you. And this is easy for Allah. Anything Allah could do to us is very simple for Allah. You know, in the chapter of Shams, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? فَدَمْدَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ فَسَوَّاهَا وَلَا يَخَافُ عُقُبَاهَا Allah saying about a, a specific civilization, a specific old nation, that they disobeyed Allah, Thamud. It's a, it's a nation that's mentioned, actually a civilization that's mentioned a lot in the Quran. Ad and Thamud, both are mentioned in the Quran. But then Thamud, they did something. They were basically arrogant towards, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. They were like openly disbelievers and uh, openly challenging Allah so Allah literally destroyed them Allah completely just crushed them literally crushed them look at what Allah said and Allah doesn't care about the consequences because there are no consequences for Allah to destroy an entire civilization when you do something big when you hit someone or you hit an entire group of people you're afraid of what they might do to you or the retaliation or, or what the world would say about you. or you know, You're afraid of the consequences on any level you would be. Allah saying, I destroyed an entire nation for being so incredibly arrogant and disbelievers in the face of Allah. And I do not fear the consequences because I'm not a human being. I'm above all that. So again, back to the Satan uh, story. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he basically Satan blamed it on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah, of course, is above all this. He could have destroyed him. Again, completely made him vanish in literally less than a second and nobody would even remember him. But then here's what happened. He said, oh Allah, I'm going to prove to you that this species, talking about mankind, that you favored over me, is not worthy of that honoring. You honored them over me. You, you wanted me to prostrate, and when I said no, you kicked me out of paradise. So I'm going to prove to you that they are not worthy of that honor by misguiding them, by leading them to hellfire. This is actually a whole conversation about it. 
in the Quran, actually multiple conversations in the Quran about this interaction between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Satan. By the way, Satan never seen Allah, but he was able to talk to him, of course. You know, like Adam, Allah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Adam to do certain things, it was all like you said, nobody saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, things will be different. Certain people will be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But anyway, so Allah said what? And as long as they repent, I will forgive them. As long as they come back to me, I will forgive them. Except for those who will completely forget about me, they those shall follow you into hellfire. This is a very interesting conversation here. Satan is saying, I'm going to keep misguiding them. As long as you make me live, I'm going to keep misguiding them to prove to you that they're not worthy of your honoring. So Allah said, and I'm going to keep forgiving them as long as they repent and they come back to me. And those who don't, those who are oblivious, they will follow you to hellfire, which is fine. Some of them will be like you, disbelievers and arrogant. Okay, no problem. They will follow you to hellfire. Now, here's what Satan said in the chapter of Araf, verse number 15. Oh Allah, so let's finish this deal. For me to prove to you my point, keep me alive until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, keep me alive. Do not make me die like the rest of the jinn until the day of judgment. Look at what Allah said. You are immortal until the day of judgment. You shall live until the day of judgment. And before the day of, right before the day of judgment, you shall die and be resurrected with everyone else. But that's the proof to you. Satan is immortal. So Satan is still alive as we speak. The same one, it's only one Satan, from you know the Adam story, he's still alive and he will always be alive until right before the day of judgment when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know kills every single you know life form that we know of. So this is very interesting. He's so adamant about misguiding us and taking us into you know hellfire with him, but Allah is giving us hope. You come back and you repent to me, you shall be forgiven, but you become oblivious and don't care, you shall follow your leader, which at that case will be Satan. So I hope that this story, you know, we learned a lot. That's why it's important to, know, to, to learn about the jinn, you know, because it affects our belief. It affects how we worship Allah. It makes us ask for Allah's help and mention Allah's name. Say, Bismillah, so you can, you know, feed the good jinn and you can prevent the evil jinn from eating with you. Say, Bismillah, Bismillah, before you go to sleep, remember Allah. You'll be protected from that world and unseen world of the jinn. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.